0: Everybody and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and I'm so grateful that you have carved out some time in your day to hang out with me. I love that, and thank you, thank you, thank you. Today, I want to talk about some pretty common fitness questions that come up, and they're misconceptions related to calorie counting Uh, whether that happens on a cardio machine like a bike or a treadmill, but also questions about fitness tracking apps that are becoming more and more possible, and also want to touch on heart rate zones and if there is truth to the notion that you will burn more fat in certain heart rate zones than others. So we're talking about fitness today, but we're covering a wide variety of topics because, I hear lots of conversations, whether it's directly an email to me or overhearing people at the gym, that are based on either incomplete information or totally just a complete misunderstanding of how the body works. For example, some people will say, oh, I, I just finished my workout and I burned 550 calories, right? According to what? And I kind of doubt it. More than that, my response is not necessarily to the person, but in my head, I really hope you're not using that data to determine how much you should eat. And I want to tell you why that is my response. And we'll start by talking about the quote-unquote calorie counting technology, and I use that term very loosely, that is on cardio equipment, whether it's bikes, treadmills, ellipticals, then we'll talk about the fitness trackers, then we'll talk about the heart rate zones. Um, I'm not being a downer about any type of wearable technology or technology in general, because here's the thing, if it motivates you then that is very valuable, okay? If it motivates you to see that calorie number on the treadmill tick up or on the elliptical machine, if it motivates you to wear this fitness tracking app, then that is valuable, okay? But it's also very important that we know what's good data, what's not good data, and that we're not relying on inaccurate or incomplete data to make decisions that really matter about what to eat, how much to eat, when to eat, or... And we're not using that data to determine whether or not a workout is effective. Because while you might have really great intentions, you might have terrible information. I want to start out, out of the gate by saying that if you are in the calorie counting club and you love to see how many calories you've burned in the workout or you're a calorie counter, what I want you to do is pause this episode and go listen to episode number 62, 6 two, because that episode is really about the facts of calorie counting and what people are missing when they're in that calorie counting club of wanting to know exactly how many calories they've eaten and how many they've burned and they think that that is the key to fat loss. I really want you to not listen to this episode until you have listened to episode 62 six two of the Primal Potential Podcast, and I will link to it in the show notes, um, or you can grab it from Spotify or iTunes or just primalpotential.com. Um, or what's the other one? Stitcher. Stitcher for the Android folks out there. Let's talk about this calorie counting technology. And I'm assuming that you've all listened to episode 62. I'm going to say it over and over. You're going to hear me saying it in your, in your sleep tonight. Let's talk about the calorie counting technology, the stuff that tells you how many calories you've supposedly burned while on the bike or on the treadmill or the elliptical or even out for your jog. There are two primary issues that I want to address with the technology that supposedly tells you how many calories you've burned when you hop on that machine and you put in your weight and your age. Number one, they are inaccurate. I hate to break it to you. If you're surprised, I'm surprised that you're surprised. They are inaccurate and they don't tell you what you're burning. It's important if you're going about an activity, are you burning the sugar from the orange juice you just drank or the Gatorade you just drank? Are you burning your body fat? Are you burning muscle tissue? Are you burning muscle glycogen? What what are you burning? They don't tell you that. So fundamentally, they are inaccurate, and they don't give you very important information, even if they were accurate, about what fuel you are burning, okay? I also think that many people allow that number, I burned X many calories in this workout, to justify indulging later because they earned it when they burned it. And that's just not a healthy approach to moving your body for health. And burning fat. So let's talk about the machines first, as opposed to the wearables, because the machines are the most inaccurate. You know, you hop on, you put in your weight, sometimes you put in uh, your age, and it tells you how many calories. It's garbage. It's garbage. It doesn't know, among many things it doesn't know, but one of the most important things it doesn't know is your fitness level. It is basing the calorie output on your weight and your pace, right? But not on so many other factors that are critically important for an accurate number. So let let me just give you an example, okay? Let's say that we're talking about a treadmill and you hop on the treadmill and you put in your weight and your age and it kicks out the calories. Well, let's say that on one treadmill, there is a 200 pound woman who is 60 pounds overweight going at a rate of four miles per hour on the treadmill. But on the next treadmill, you have Somebody who is 200 pounds, let's say it's a man, 200 pounds, very, very fit, lots of lean muscle, not really any weight to lose, also going four miles an hour. The weight is the same. The pace is the same. Gender aside, do you want to tell me that they are exerting themselves in the same way, burning the same number of calories? They, they weigh the same and they're going the same speed. So as far as the machine is concerned, same burn, no Freaking way, no freaking way. For the gentleman, and it could as easily be a woman, right? It could, we could be talking about two 170-pound women, one who's 40 pounds overweight, one who isn't overweight at all, going the same pace. For the fit individual who is leaner and has a higher metabolic rate because of higher lean muscle mass, that four miles an hour to them might be a stroll, right? A resting activity. But for the individual who's 40, 50, 60 pounds overweight at the same pace, who weighs the same amount as the individual next to them, she might be dying. She's working her butt off. It's practically a jog for her, or maybe it's entirely a jog. She's working hard. Her body is exerting itself far more. Completely different stimulus, completely different response, but the machine is going to tell you that it's the same. It's not. It's not. Anything that generalizes numbers is generally wrong. And I'm not being a downer. I'm not saying that if you're not motivated by that number that you shouldn't pay attention to it, but understand that while it might motivate you, that doesn't make it accurate. Anything that generalizes numbers is generally wrong. I'm not suggesting that both people are not burning calories, but when we talk about these machines that just say, how much do you weigh? They're missing your fitness level. They're missing what that level of exertion is for you. They know the pace at which you're moving, but they don't know what level of intensity that is based on your fitness level, based on your body composition, right? They are missing all of these factors, and so the generalization is generally wrong. Now, when we look at the wearable trackers, the wristwatches or you know the things you clip to your bra or whatever else, they're better than punching in a couple of variables, maybe even one variable into a cardio machine because you've programmed more information, it knows your age, it knows your gender, it knows your body weight. Sometimes it knows even more than that. So they are generally better than the machines, but guys, they are not accurate determinants of how many calories you are burning. Now, first of all, if you haven't listened to episode 62, you need to because, The calorie in, calorie out model is not effective in general, but even if it were, there are problems with that. So like I said, I want you hearing me telling you to listen to episode 62 in your sleep for the next month. Please do listen to that. With these wearables, there is significant deviation in the accuracy of the calorie burn information anywhere from 10% up to 25%. That is a really big deal for those of you who are basing your energy needs on that information. We're going to talk about percentages versus absolutes here in a minute, but let's say you're consuming 2,000 calories a day. I'm not a fan of calorie counting for the bazillionth time, but if you're off by 25% a day, that's like 500 calories off per day. That's 3,500 calories off per week. Which is a pound. So that's significant. If it motivates you, use it for motivation, but please don't rely on it to know how many calories you've burned versus how many calories you need and therefore should eat. Okay? Now, some of the high level common sense issues with these calorie trackers is that they sort of assume. And encourage us to use this model of calorie counting is the best way to go. It's not, right? It makes me die a little bit inside when people take that approach. But the other problem that I want to talk about, now that the fundamental biggest issue is out of the way... The calories in, calories out, and paying attention to your burn and comparing that to your consumption every day, it implies that our bodies worked like a zero-based budgeting system. Okay, so when we say, "Oh well, according to my Fitbit or whatever insert wearable here, according to that, I- I've burned thirty-two hundred calories today and I only ate twenty-two hundred, so I'm at a deficit of a thousand calories." That implies that your body works like a zero zero-based budgeting system, like you start the day at zero and you don't, right? You do not start at zero. It implies that the only thing that matters is what you consume and you burn in a day, as if nothing else matters, as if the stress isn't a factor, as if what you ate yesterday isn't a factor. That's all a factor. And it assumes that it's just this simple, you start at zero every morning. No, you don't that is not real. That is not true. If that were true, and it's not, you would certainly want to make sure those numbers are accurate, but it's not, right? How much sense does it make? Let's say, for example, that last night you had a big plate of penne pasta for dinner and a piece of bread and a glass of wine, right? Best case scenario, you have a legit reserve of muscle and liver glycogen from the carbohydrates and the sugar that you consumed. So let's say that the next morning, this morning, you wake up and start uh, working out on an empty stomach. That's not a zero-based system. Your body has fuel reserves from last night's dinner right? So once your body in that fasted workout in the morning burns through whatever, if anything, is in your bloodstream, it's tapping into your muscle glycogen, which is full from yesterday or full from a week ago or full from just that's the way you live and you never burn through that stuff. It is not a zero-based system starting from zero every morning when you wake up, okay? So I want everybody to understand that there are several fundamental issues. Now, let's be real. It's great for sales to convince you that, hey, I can show you what you're burning every day so you know what to eat every day. That's wonderful for getting you to spend $100, $150, $200 on this wearable device. It doesn't mean it works. It doesn't mean it's accurate. If it motivates you to be more active, that's lovely. That's fine. That's great. Keep doing that. But please don't tell yourself that this is the accounting system of your body's energy needs because it's not. Because it's not. I want to talk about heart rate monitors, okay? They've become uh, all the rage largely because of these charts that say, if your heart rate is between this number and this number, you're burning fat. But if it's between this number and this number, you're burning carbohydrates or sugar. And so people want to watch that little number and get into that fat-burning mode, and they believe that if they're on the treadmill and that number reflected on their watch tells them they're in that range, then they are burning fat. I'm sorry. That's not real. That's not real. Okay? Okay like most things, this story is told based on a degree of truth. There's something real in there and people accept that little truth nugget as fact and gospel. The story goes like this. Lower heart rates, lower intensity exercise, right? Like the steady state on the elliptical where you're not, you know, huffing and puffing and going crazy. You're just, you're just moving your body. The lower heart rate zones, not resting low, but not like a maniac low or like a maniac high, these lower rates cause you to burn a higher percentage of fat. So we want to burn more fat, so we exercise in these lower zones. There are a couple of problems with this that are very significant problems that I want to bring your attention to. First one, life lesson. Percentages don't mean crap. Percentages don't mean anything without the absolute numbers. The actual numbers matter. The percentages don't mean anything, and we get so misled because we look at the percentages without looking at the absolute numbers. So let's talk about the differences between percentages and a real number. And we're going to use arbitrary numbers here, okay? So let's say that at the lower heart rate zones you are burning whatever fuel you burn, 60% of that is going to be fat. Whereas at a higher heart rate, let's say of all the fuel you burn, only 40% of that is fat. So people are like, well, I want to make sure that 60% of what I'm burning is fat, right? So we get caught up in the hype of like, well, I don't want to be burning 60% carbohydrate and 40% fat. I want to be burning 40% fat and, and or, or 60% fat and only 40% carbohydrate. But guys, this is the difference between percentages and absolutes. At a higher or at the lower intensity level, you're burning less fuel overall. So the percentage is higher, but the absolute number is lower. Okay? Let me, let me give some, some concrete examples here. Let's say at a lower intensity level, you're burning 100 total calories, right, in your 30-minute workout. But at a higher intensity level, you're going to burn... 300 calories in that same period of time or less, right? So in absolutes, the only numbers that really matter, at the lower intensity level, sure, your percentage of fat burned might be higher, but with that percentage, 60% of 100, you're talking about 60 calories burned from fat. At the higher intensity level, you're burning 120 calories from fat because you're burning significantly more calories, even though the percentage is lower, That's twice as much, twice as many calories from fat burned at the higher intensity level, even though the percentage is significantly lower. Percentages don't mean anything without absolutes. I remember before I left my job in corporate America to uh, start Primal Potential, this was such an important lesson for me. I used to, once a month or so, I used to have to report my sales numbers to the owners of the company in these big meetings where all of the departments would come in and and report their sales numbers, and we had to prepare these reports. One of the owners would absolutely flip out bananas angry if you reported your sales in terms of percentages, because here's the thing. Some of the smaller divisions would come in and be like, well, we had a 50% increase in sales. Well, yeah, but their monthly sales were like $5,000, which doesn't mean anything. It sounds really impressive, but compared to the larger divisions like mine, where we might have had a 2% sales improvement, but that was nearly a million dollars in an absolute number, the percentage doesn't mean anything without the absolute value. So be really careful with anybody that or anything that talks to you about percentages without absolutes because it's not good information. It has no context without the absolutes. The other thing is this, okay? When we talk about the higher intensity workouts, which according to the charts, you're burning a lower percentage of fat, but you're burning more overall, so the absolute fat burn is higher The other thing about higher intensity workouts and their higher heart rates is that there is an afterburn, and I've done a couple of episodes on this, but when you do that steady state elliptical workout or your jog or whatever, when you're done, you're done. There's not really an afterburn. When you do the higher intensity workouts, there is an afterburn. It's called EPOC, E-P-O-C, which stands for excess Post-exercise oxygen consumption. Don't get lost in that. It's really easy to understand when we break it down. Excess, meaning extra, additional. Post-exercise, after the workout is over, oxygen consumption. So your body continues to use up extra oxygen more than normal after the workout is over. This is how your body recovers after higher intensity workouts, okay? When we're doing higher intensity, shorter duration workouts like interval training, your body uses up or creates a need for oxygen more than the oxygen you've consumed during the workout. So after the workout is over, your body keeps on working to recover basically from the oxygen debt that you have created. So remember that example we said, You know, you are burning more total calories, a lower percentage of fat, but a higher absolute value, that doesn't even include the afterburn. So it's even more significant. So these percentages that say, oh, well, if we're in this heart rate zone, that doesn't mean anything because the absolutes matter and the afterburn matters, okay? Side note about about the term high-intensity interval training, and I know I said short duration, and some of you might be wondering why short duration, because the only way we can truly sustain a high intensity is if it's with a short duration. You cannot have a high intensity over a long duration. You have to pace yourself. You have to dial it back. You have to kind of reserve your effort. You don't do five minutes of high intensity. If you're going for five minutes, you have to pace yourself. You can do 10 to 30, 45 seconds of a max effort high-intensity. Followed by rest. The other point I absolutely have to hammer home related to these heart rate zones and these charts that indicate what type of fuel you're burning, they completely disregard nutrition. It completely disregards what you ate the night before, the day before, or the few hours before your workout, right? Somebody will say, Oh yeah, I'm in the fat-burning zone in this in this workout because of the numbers on their wristwatch, and I'm thinking, okay. Let's say, another hypothetical, that you drank a big glass of orange juice or put a ton of sugar in your coffee before your workout, and then you come into the gym and the little monitor tells you that you're in fat burning mode. I can tell you right now that if you just had a glass of orange juice, you're in burning the sugar in the orange juice zone. It doesn't matter what the number on your wristwatch says, that sugar from that juice or that sugar from your coffee or your Gatorade or whatever you had before your workout or even the night before dinner, that is what is put into your bloodstream for the immediate fuel for your body. So these, these numbers disregard the nutrition, the nutrition, anything that is generalized is going to be generally wrong. Exercise is so much less about the calories burned during the activity and so much more about, what do you think I'm going to say? The hormonal response created by the activity. And this depends on the stimulus we apply. How much of a stimulus are we applying to the body? Are we just showing up and going through the motions or are we really applying a significant stimulus to our body? The greater the stimulus, the greater the response. It also depends on the intensity. Are we going through the motions and reading a magazine, having a conversation, sending text messages, or are we fully applying ourselves? and the hormonal response created by the activity itself. If we're doing our marathon training, that creates a stress response on the body, which triggers the body to conserve body fat because it's a stressful situation versus high-intensity interval training, which actually encourages the body to release fat. These numbers on these charts and these calorie outputs disregard how the body really works. So if we're looking just at the heart rate or we're looking just at the calories burned, we're missing what the activity does for our body, does for our hormones. We're missing the impact of what we ate before the workout or the night before the workout or the day before the workout, the status of our muscle glycogen stores. All of that is a critically important fact. You know, if you just look at it from the calorie standpoint, there's no question, lifting weights generally burns fewer calories than, say, a spin class, right? weight training unless you're doing, you know, more of a more of an intense weight training, lower lower weight, higher reps, more speed, but generally speaking, lifting weights burns fewer calories than say a cardio class, but lifting weights impl- improves our insulin responsiveness and increases the number and sensitivity of our glucose transporters which allows us to be more efficient fat burners, which allows us to have a more efficient Metabolism. These are critical factors which are overlooked with these tracking devices. We love tools. We love gadgets. We love things that give us something to look at other than our perceived rate of exertion, how hard we're pushing ourselves, what's happening with our bodies. Are they helping? Are you fitter with that tracking device than without it? Are you more active with that tracking device than without it? One thing that I think is really great with these tracking devices is the step counters because for many, many, many people, this encourages them to get up and walk more, to be more active. So I think that's wonderful. But looking at it from a sense of numbers, calorie burn, magical heart rate zones, they're arbitrary and I think that they are misleading and distracting for many people. Eat real food, work hard in your workouts, minimize stress. Pay attention to the progress of your body. Anybody who tries to overcomplicate it, chances are they're trying to sell you something. I've talked about high-intensity interval training. I've talked about weight training in several previous episodes, and I will make sure to link to those in the show notes. The reality is we have to understand what is valuable information and what is not, how the body truly works versus how people try to oversimplify it because they don't understand or they want us to buy something, right? There are a lot of trainers out there who might not know that things aren't real and true, but what you cannot go wrong with, I don't want people to be like, well, what am I supposed to listen to? Your own body, your own body is going to, are the types of workouts you're doing giving you the results you want. You don't have to panic about, well, this is so frustrating because everybody has a different opinion. The only opinion that matters is your bodies. What your body tells you works, what increases your energy, what decreases your cravings, what brings you towards your goals, what improves your performance in your workouts, what improves your strength. Not the gizmos, not the gadgets, not even the blog posts or the podcasts. Your body. Your body. And I will link to the fitness for fat loss podcast that I've done before over on the show notes on primalpotential.com because it is very important that we understand this. And when we look for information, we're looking for the right information and not misleading information. All right. What I ate yesterday I started my day with really one of my favorite things. You guys know I'm a big fan of whole foods and I don't like packaged concoctions and things like that because I think they're overpriced and undervaluable. But one of the things that I do buy and really love, this is um, the creation of my former mentor, Mary Shenouda, also known as the Paleo Chef. What I had for breakfast yesterday with my coffee was a packet of her fat fudge. It is real food ingredients. It's not like some freakish concoction of weird chemicals and stuff. It's like real food, fats and vitamins and minerals and some caffeine. And sometimes I mix it in my coffee. Sometimes I just eat the packet plain, but it is real food and it tastes really good. And uh, she's currently doing, I'm not affiliated with her or anything. She used to uh, be one of my coaches, but, but she's not now. I just Love what she's doing, and I don't make a dime if she makes a bazillion dollars, which I'm sure she will. She's doing a, a pre sale right now because she recently moved from packing it herself to having industrial um, packing so that she can produce more of it. Um, but you can learn more about that at fatfudge.com, P H A T F U D G E, or you can just search Fat Fudge, but it's not F A T, it's P H A T. Um, it's super delicious. It's chocolatey flavored, it's a little bit spicy, and I love it in the morning because it's what I like to eat in the morning. It's, it's just pretty much fat and, and vitamins and minerals, uh, that naturally come from whole food sources. It's quality stuff. Uh, it's gluten-free. It's just, it's really delicious. And it's like a treat for me. Um, so that's what I had for breakfast. Then, uh, Whole Foods salad bar later in the day times two. Um, first with salmon, second with chicken. It was just one of those days where convenience won out, so that was what I ate yesterday. I am all about um, Mary's fat fudge. It, be careful with it though. Like if you start to use it like a treat and have three or four a day, you got you got to be careful. I I will typically do one in the morning if I feel like I need a little kick or a little pick-me-up or sometimes right before my workout, but it's definitely not like a snack you want to have regularly throughout the day because it is a a big energy punch in terms of the fat content and all of that stuff, but I think she's doing freaking amazing things uh, with real food, not chemical concoctions, real food. So I just wanted to uh, share that with you because I've gotten some questions about it and I just I think she's really changing the game in terms of convenience with real foods, because when people think convenience, they often think processed foods. Um, And so I like that she's defying that mold and kind of stepping out. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We'll be back again soon with another. And until then, shoot me an email if there's anything I can do to help you with your journey. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Take care.